The Beatles are a pretty nice band, and we've got a lot to say. The Beatles are a pretty nice band, talk about them day after day. But we also love the outfield a lot, so are these songs better than your love? The Beatles are a pretty nice band, someday we'll judge if they're fine, oh yeah. Someday we'll judge if they're fine. Here comes the sun. Here's happy George Harrison again, old Mr. Smiley. <laughs> so apparently everybody with a phone or a laptop has heard this song. See, guys, it's the most streamed Beatles song on Spotify. Over one billion, that's billion with a B, listens. It's hard to listen to it with fresh ears, you know. The guitar work, which I believe was all George, I don't, John wasn't there, is exquisite. I don't think the Moog works any better on the album as it does here, accentuating feeling instead of dating the shit out of it. George finally sounds confident with his voice, you know? It's a lovely sentiment. There's always tomorrow, and that's a good thing. Yeah, it's another one of those inescapable songs, and it's the one that I think George is best known for. You know, it's funny, like, after like the whole run here of all just Lennon and McCartney hits so far, uh, and George and Ringo are getting pushed aside. That in the year 2023, he continues to have the last laugh of what is digitally the most popular song by the group, and it's not even close. It's like double what the next track is. <laughs> Living well is indeed the best revenge. Uh, musically, it's it's a beautiful song, and he's really pulled it together with what I think is probably his finest melody. Uh, I love the use of the Moog. It really adds a nice, wonderful flourish. And you know, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And in that regard, I think George really has won at the end of the race here. I suppose it's fitting that George, the most spiritual Beatle, uh, has this great uh, resurgence in the afterlife. Yeah, that's a very good point. Thank you. I, I'll put that in my sermon this Sunday. Yes, Father. The early months of 1969 were a difficult period for George. He quit the Beatles temporarily, see you at the clubs. He was arrested for marijuana possession, and he had his tonsils removed. I wonder if the marijuana possession and tonsils removed were during the time he left the Beatles. He's like, oh, oh shit, what, they, what have I done? <laughs> Life is terrible oh, no. without being a Beatle. Uh, so George wrote this on an acoustic guitar in the garden of Eric Clapton's house in Ewhurst, Surrey. George said it was written at the time when Apple was getting like school, where we had to go and be businessmen. Sign this and sign that. Anyway, it seems as if winter in England goes on forever. By the time spring comes, you really deserve it. So one day I decided I was going to sag off Apple, and I went over to Eric Clapton's house. The relief of not having to go and see all those dopey accountants was wonderful. And I walked around the garden with one of Eric's acoustic guitars and wrote, Here Comes the Sun. Wow, he stole something from Eric Clapton, huh? Uh, will Eric get him back? <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> yes. Clapton's house at the time was Hurtwood Edge in Ewhurst, Surrey, and he later said the month was possibly April. Data from two, here we go, data from two meteorological stations in the London area showed that April 1969 set a record for sunlight hours in the 1960s. The Greenwich mm. station recorded 189 hours for April, a high that was not beaten until 1984. 
The Greenwich data also showed that February and March were much colder than the norm for the 1960s, which would account for Harrison's reference to a long, cold, lonely winter. It is 1960. This reminds me of um, when uh, Good Day Sunshine was written by Paul. It was like a particularly s- sunny summer in England. And it was like such positive vibes because like England won yeah. the World Cup and stuff. You know, that, sure. that was the year before the summer. It is 1969 interview with reporter David Wig for the BBC Radio One series Seen and Heard, subsequently included on the 1976 album The Beatles Tapes. Harrison recalled that due to the many business meetings, he had not played guitar for a couple of weeks. And the first thing that came out was that song. He completed the song's lyrics in June while on Holiday Inn. You guessed it. Sardinia. Everyone loves going there. Maybe Peter Sellers' yacht is permanently in Sardinia or something. I guess so. Harrison's understated use of a Moog synthesizer was a key feature on Here Comes the Sun. Robert Boog's then recent invention was a rarity in the United Kingdom at the time, and the Beatles were keen to experiment with in sounds. George said in anthology, I first heard about the Boog synthesizer in America. I didn't have mine made, a, made specially because Mr. Boog <laughs> had only just invented it. It was enormous with hundreds of jack plugs and two keyboards. But it was one thing having one and another trying to make it work. There wasn't an instruction manual, and even if there had been, it would probably have been a couple of thousand pages long. I don't think even Mr. Boog knew how to get music out of it. It was more of a technical thing. When you listen to the sounds on songs like Here Comes the Sun, it does do some good things, but they're all very kind of infant sounds. John, as mentioned, didn't appear on the song. He was recovering from his car accident. And later on, George largely completed the song alone. The orchestra, the names of the players undocumented, uh, I hate that, were recorded on August 15th, but I guess I could, you know, people could say, oh, I, uh, that's me on Here Comes the Sun. Uh, yeah. yeah. Can't prove them wrong. Two clarinets, two alto flutes, two flutes, and two piccolos were recorded onto track four, and four violas, four cellos, and string bass were added to track five. The latter overdub replaced Harrison's July 16th harmonium part. Here Comes the Sun was completed four days later on August 19, 1969, when Harrison taped his Boog part on track four. This partly erased the Woodwood parts from the previous session. Sometime after midnight in the morning of August 20th, the song was mixed in stereo. This was done in just one attempt, with the tape running slightly faster, at 51 cycles per second rather than the usual 50, reducing slightly the length of the song. This raised the key by approximately a quarter tone. One of the bonus items on a DVD Blu-ray release of Martin Scorsese's 2011 documentary George Harrison, Living in the Material World, was a studio scene featuring Danny Harrison, George Martin, and Giles Martin listening to the Here Comes the Sun multi-track tapes. The tapes revealed a hitherto unheard guitar solo, which was left out of the Apple mix. This is likely to have been recorded by George Harrison on August 6, 1969. He capped out his guitar to the 7th fret, resulting in the final key of A major, which was then very speeded less than a semitone higher. He also used the same technique on his 1965 song, If I Needed Someone, which shares a similar melodic pattern. What a copycat. The following day, he taped mm-hmm. his lead vocals, and he and McCartney recorded their backing vocals twice to give a fuller sound. The lyrics affirmation of life for the natural occurrence of the song was a key with a contemporary trend, following examples such as Good, Di- Good Morning Starshine and Aquarius Let the Sunshine In 
from the popular musical Hair. Uh, by the way, in first grade, I believe, I performed uh, Let the Sunshine In uh, in a school play. Oh, really? Yeah, it wasn't a solo effort. It was, you know, a bunch of us, which made the ending of 40-Year-Old Virgin all that funnier to me. Oh, sure. <laughs> Uh, as of late September 2019, it was the most streamed Beatles song of the United Kingdom with over 53 million plays. I'd have Let It Be on 26 million. And the most streamed Beatles song on Spotify globally with over 350 million plays. Up to that time, it was also the most downloaded song from Abbey Road. Official charts company writer Rob Kopsey describes the track as a staple of any summer playlist. As of August 2021, the song was still the band's most streamed song on Spotify. In May 2023, McHugh DeBeals' first song to surpass 1 billion plays on the platform, and the first song from the 1960s to achieve the milestone. That's crazy. In the context of the late 1960s, according to cultural commentator Stephen D. Stark, the song's promise of a new dawn after a lonely winter caught the wearied sensibility of the counterculture. In a review of Abbey Road for Saturday Review magazine, Ellen Sanders said that Here Comes the Sun was an awakening, an exaltation of the dawn, and the story of a run of songs that represented the LP's sunside, suffused with mellowed warmth, woven together with motifs, bridging, reprises, surprises, with all the songs set within one another. Time Magazine described it as a dawn-flecked prelude to the side two medley, which the reviewer deemed a kind of odyssey from innocence to experience, which uh, I love that line. Said that Harrison had... It's also a great U2 album. Yes. It said that Harrison had achieved a new confidence in his own musical personality. In August 71, Harrison performed Here Comes the Sun at the Concert for Bangladesh, accompanied by Pete Ham of the Apple group Bad Finger, mm-hmm. which, who were discovered by Mal Evans. Oh, I didn't know that. Harrison played the song during his appearance on Saturday Night Live in November 1976 as a duet with Paul Simon. That same month, Harrison was displeased that EMI included Here Comes the Sun and six of his other Beatles songs on the compilation album The Best of George Harrison. Since Harrison had signed with Water Brothers Records, EMI timed the compilation's release to steal sales from his first album from Warner's, 33 and the Third. That's messed up. In 1977, astronomer and science popularizer Carl Sagan attempted to have Here Comes the Sun included on a disc of music accompanying the Voyager space mission. Titled the Voyager Golden Record, copies of the disc were put on board both spacecraft and the Voyager program in order to provide any entity that recovered them with a representative sample of human civilization. Writing in his book Murmurs of Earth, Sagan recalls that the Beals favored the idea, but they did not own the copyright, and the legal status of the piece seemed too murky to risk. Due to EMI's intervention when the probes were launched in 77, the song was not included. I mean, okay. You mean to tell yeah. me that EMI, like, had jurisdiction in outer space? I mean, come on. <laughs> um, you know, uh, they're taking, uh, taking inspiration for, you know, the sun never sets on the British Empire. The universe never sets on the recorded works of EMI. All right, so here's my question. What, which Beatles song would you put on that record if... If, if it was legally possible. Oh. In my life? 
Yeah, because like a day in the life is too complicated, yeah. um, so to yeah. speak. Uh, I think I would do it in my life. I think that's a good one. What about you? Yeah. Um, okay, which Sloan song would you put on the record? The golden <laughs> record. The good in everyone. Okay. Short, sweet, to the point. Funnily enough, in 1979, George Harrison released Here Comes the Moon as the lyrical successor of the, the song. Moon. Some critics disapproved of his apparent rework of such a Beatles song. To be fair to George, it doesn't sound like Here Comes the Sun. It's a, it's a forgettable song, but, you know. Harrison said he expected the scrutiny, but other songwriters had had 10 years to write Here Comes the Moon after Here Comes the Sun, but nobody else wrote it, so I might as well do it myself. Yes, he said, me so. Well, he, you know, it's interesting because he, he did, I think he tied back into like the Beatles past more than his other, other members. Like, yeah. I'm thinking like when, when we was fab as another example, I can't think of examples of the other three doing that. No, I know what you mean. We, we sure brought this are. up before. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if it was a cash grab or what, but you're right. he he did look back more than the others. I mean, Ringo had the No No song. Yeah, well, well Paul had a uh, um, Here Today for John. Sure. Mm-hmm. But I don't. But I feel, yeah. yeah. I feel like that's less. Ca- well, I don't know. Well, and Paul plays um, ukulele. Uh, in honor of George, for something he played something on ukulele at his concerts, which is his tribute Correct. and stuff. And of course, he plays Beatles songs, but he didn't write a song yes. about his experience with the Beatles, at least not uh, directly. No, right. And like the, like here today is more of like a com- is a conversation that he wishes that or that he imagines with with him, which you know, absolutely doesn't have to be Beatles related necessarily, but. Recalling the song's creation in Martin Scorsese's documentary, George Harrison, Living in the Potato Walk, Clotted said that he himself would never walk around outside playing guitar, but this is what George brought to the situation. Clapton added, he was just a magical guy, and he would show up, get out of the car of his guitar, and come in and start playing. I just watched this thing come to life. I felt very proud that it was my garden that was inspiring it. You know, usually if somebody walks into your home with a guitar and is playing it, that would be pretty annoying. But if it's George Harrison, you're going to let him in. Oh, I thought you were dead. Okay. In July 2016, Here Comes the Sun was played as the entrance music for Ivanka Trump at the Republican National Convention. The George Harrison estate complained about the song being used to support Donald Trump's presidential campaign, saying it was offensive and contrary to their wishes. The Harrison family later tweeted, if it had been beware of darkness, then we may have approved it. Hashtag Trump yourself. Mm. Zing. That same year, British novelist David Mitchell quoted the lyrics to Here Comes the Sun and From Me Flows What You Call Time, a novella that will remain unpublished until 2114. Mitchell said he included the lyrics because the song is expected to be out of copyright by that time. Well, we'll see. Writing for Esquire in August 2021, Alan Light cited the track's continued standing as the Beatles' most streamed song on Spotify, along with the reference afforded Harrison's 1970 solo album, All Things Was Passed, as evidence that Harrison has emerged as Gen Z's favorite Beatle. I guess 
we wouldn't know uh, why. I wouldn't know. No, we're we're. I am either really young Gen X or old millennial. I don't know where you fall in. I I'm like smack in the middle of millennial. Okay. So, <laughs> okay. Uh, but yeah, I could see why he's Gen Z's favorite Beatle. He's the most real, you know. Usually. Yes. Yeah. And his his uh, his pessimism, but and his optimism, you know, they seem genuine. Contrasting, but complementary. And John beat his wife, and George didn't. So. Correct. Here comes the sun. It's been recorded by many artists, with the first cover versions appearing soon after the release of Abbey Road. Booker T and EMGs include the song "Arrangements of Jazz Peace" with a Moog intro on their Abbey Road tribute album "Macklemore Avenue." As said George Benson on his album The Other Side of Abbey Road. Richie Havens' version of the song peaked at number 16 on the Billboard Hot 100 in the U.S., gave him the highest charting single of his entire career. Nina Simone recorded Here Comes the Sun as a title track to her 1971 covers album. Peter Tosh recorded a song in support of Michael Manley's campaign in the 1972 Jamaican general election. Tosh biographer John Missouri writes that given the singer's frustrations with his Whalers bandmate Bob Marley, Tosh may have identified with Harrison's plight in the Beatles. I wonder if Peter Tosh walked around like, I'm the George Harrison of, mm-hmm. <laughs> of the Whalers. In 2021, John Bon Jovi performed an acoustic rendition of Here Comes the Sun as part of the Celebrating America special to the inauguration of President Joe Biden. And that's pretty funny considering five years earlier it was used by Ivanka yes. Trump. Bon Jovi coming in I, hot. I, absolutely. Yeah, I think of this song, albeit a cover, being used in uh, 1998's uh, The Parent Trap. Maybe this is just my millennial talking. Uh, like they even walk across uh, Abbey Road uh, in the sequence while they're tra- trapezing around. And London. you know that how? Because I've seen the film. When did you see it? I watched the... Well, I've seen it many, many times. Many times. But I also watched... And I've... Yes. I, I am I am a uh, millennial with a younger sister. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. Which is maybe... Okay. Maybe that's why George is the Gen Z uh, favorite. Uh, oh, she's firmly millennial, okay. too. But yes. Uh, but yes, I also looked up the clip. Because I was like... It was... It was used there, right? And like, yes, absolutely, it was. It was more like, is it a cover? I don't remember now. Well, I've never seen it, so I, 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 you brought it up. You're like, I wish I didn't know this. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, love counts zero. <laughs> Josie scale. I of course give this. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Great. Song. Who loves the sun? We do. We do. We do. We do. Lou Reed does. Boreed Tucker. Uh, John Cale. And the fourth one. <laughs> of the Velvets. The Beatles are a pretty nice band. Talk about them day after day. But we also love the outfield a lot. So are these songs better than your love? The Beatles are a pretty nice band. Someday we'll judge if they're fine. Oh yeah, someday we'll judge if they're fine.